As doctors of what I call proper healthcare, and certainly as chiropractors, our mission is big and bold. Our nation and the world requires leadership when confronting the pandemic of metabolic derangement, which leads to degenerative disease and poor health. Masses of people around the globe will never know what it feels like to have boundless energy, unlimited potential, and true health independence into their senior years. Join me in my quest to bring together the best practices to make you a leader in your community. My question to the entire profession is, if not now, when? If not us, who? In today's podcast, I was interviewed by Dr. Nate Bloomy from Indianapolis, and there are going to be a couple of podcasts that you're going to see me being interviewed by another doctor. And uh, the reason we, we we're doing that is because other doctors have been referring to me for, for many, many years, their, their challenging cases, and uh, they have very good questions that they, that, that they ask that are really prescient for um, any doctor's office around the country, but in particular, a chiropractor's office where people want natural solutions to uh, metabolic problems. So uh, I think it's very important for us to share uh, that information, how I answer questions. Uh, the questions typically typically are coming from the patient base at that office in Indianapolis. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. Dr. Nate just has great insight as to what the patient needs are. Him and his wife, Dr. Stacy Bloomy, have incredible um, uh, an incredible office in Indianapolis, uh, Life Refined Chiropractic, where they really are leaders in their community for providing chiropractic care in a busy setting while addressing so many of the metabolic concerns with the kind of work that I do. But I want to share this information with you, not because I want you to, to reach out and work with me, but because I want you to provide those services and I want you to provide those answers for your patients. So enjoy it. It's with uh, this particular episode is about female hormones and understanding female hormones in the context of a natural healthy chiropractic wellness office uh, and what kind of uh, questions you're going to receive and what kind of answers you can give. So enjoy. Yeah, great. So we meant to go Facebook Live today. I promised you a uh, one of our viewers last week requested we do some info on um, premenopausal hormone balancing for females, something that we get asked a lot about in the office. And my expert that I go to a lot of times can be Dr. G for those types of things. We've had great success helping our practice members traverse this, this, uh, this what could be a very difficult time uh, for a lot of women. Most of you are probably at this point going, uh, Dr. Nate, don't you practice with your wife? Might she not be the better person for this interview? And you know what? Neither she nor I are the expert. Dr. G is the expert. And so uh, we decided that uh, he and I could roll this today and do just fine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. My experience with female hormones is purely secondhand. Yeah. So, well, you know, I, I remember my mom going through, through menopause and hot flashes. And I've had you know, countless women in the office that just talk about, oh, my gosh, if I'm going to get a massage, I'm always too hot and all these fluctuations. So we're going to talk about some of those things today. Now, we're going to, Dr. Stacey's going to link this. YouTube live in our Facebook page. So hopefully those of you that, that had intended on watching via Facebook are still going to find us and then we can get some real-time questions, get those asked by our expert uh, today in real time. If not, submit the questions below. We'll repost this video. We are recording it and then we'll get those follow-ups answered to you and, and possibly just revisit this topic again in the future. So um, let's just start with this. We'll jump right in, Dr. G. What is it about um, 
menopause that a it seems to me that that it's happening earlier in some females than it used to it seems to me that sometimes the symptoms are now more kind of through the roof off the charts is there an autoimmune component just kind of give us the broad strokes of exactly what are when people talk about you know the hormone changes that, that come with menopause what are people building up to and, and what age is it yes no, those are all great questions. Uh, so there, there's a lot to unwrap here, and and we we're not going to do it all in the in the in the time we have, but we'll do the best we can to kind of give people a ten thousand foot view so they can zero in on where they need to focus. So when it comes to menopause or or premenopausal symptoms that people have, uh, and then of course menopausal symptoms, those can be pretty severe. Uh, we And we know that. And, and you know, a lot of, uh, for many, many years, we've been uh, experimenting with providing people with either uh, synthetic uh, hormone replacement or even uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And it's, it's it, it, the first question we have to ask is, are we supposed to have symptoms? Uh, are women supposed to have symptoms when it comes to menopause? And there's a little bit of controversy there because there's no controversy in the first world industrialized nations like the United States. But if we look at, uh, you know, societies that are a little bit more primitive, hunter-gatherer societies that we've studied, they don't even have a, a word in some of those cultures for menopausal symptoms because they don't have any. And the reason for that and the reason why we take uh, hormone replacement therapy is because there's a sudden drop, and you can see it on blood work. I mean, there's an absolute sudden drop in, in the production of hormones by the female ovaries. And that's normal, and that's supposed to happen. However, there are supposed to be a trace amount of hormone produced by a different organ called the adrenal glands. And the adrenal glands can produce, if healthy, enough trace hormone so that the woman doesn't have to experience symptoms at all or or severe symptoms like like they might be experiencing so the question really is not is menopause you know should that happen well of course it should but the symptoms could be coming from a stress placed on the adrenal glands and the adrenal glands you and I know and you know it's commonly known as the the stress organ right but and that's true we can deplete uh, the ability for the many hormones produced by the adrenal glands by focusing on the stress hormone called cortisol. And we can kind of pull those resources out of the body to produce cortisol, leaving the production of other hormones uh, negligent, and therefore the person is going to suffer more symptoms. Uh, so so that's just kind of an overview of, of what menopause is supposed to be. Um, now, at the same time, there's other things we do in our lives, in our with our lifestyle cho choices that can also stress the hormone system at a delicate time. So premenopausal symptoms can be anywhere from 40, 42 years of age on the young side, all the way into the early 50s. And, and then of course, when you hit menopause, it's different for everybody. It could be in the mid to late 40s, it could be in the early to mid 50s. Uh, depending on the person and perhaps when they actually started get it, getting their cycle when they were younger. So so if you started getting your cycle, let's say at 14 or 15 years of age, it, your experience might be very different than somebody who started getting it at nine or 10 years of age. When you asked me, is it changing? Is it different now? Well, yes, it's different now. We have different 
lifestyle stressors uh, being placed on us from the time we're children or even just born uh, all the way into our adulthood. And all of the aspects of the cycle can be interfered with along the way. There's just so many variables. We can't really point to one thing. Got it. So we talked, you mentioned the adrenal. What what type of lifestyle stress over time is going to affect our adrenals or condition them that would position us in, in a spot where menopause is going to be more drastic for us? I say us like it's me, but really we're talking about, you know, about for, for humans. Yes, we're, we are going to ask our audience to forgive to please forgive us for any uh, male-imposed uh, biases, you know, in, in language. But um, so there are some lifestyle choices we make that that we think are just absolutely perfectly healthy. For example, exercise. Uh, in 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 my community, it's a, a community in northern New Jersey where we belong to Lifetime Fitness, and it's a, just a great place for, it's like a country club for working out. And uh, they have all these great classes. And the most popular classes are the high intensity interval training classes, the the hit classes, the ones that make you sweat and your heart beats and everything is great. And I I always joke and I say the, the, the 40 plus year old women in my community look like they're 24. They're absolutely gorgeous. They, they're slim, they're lean. Uh, they're, they, they, they look very healthy because they work out quite a bit. They do pay attention to their diet. But I will say that the, uh, there is some overtraining going on. If you're doing a high intensity interval training class where you exceed your, um, your, your, your heart, you know, if, if we were to just say your heart rate gets to a, a high level for an extended period of time, multiple times a week, you can actually initiate a lot of stress hormone uh, production, uh, which can then take away from your ability to naturally produce normal hormones. So on the lifestyle side, people thinking they're doing the right thing, perhaps there's not a good balance between the high intensity training and what I call long duration, low intensity training. And that could be as simple for many people as going for long walks. I think there should be a balance ratio there. I think there's benefit and value to high intensity working out. And there's great benefit and value to low intensity types of exercise. I think the younger you are, the more frequently you can do the high intensity stuff. The older you are, 40 plus, uh, the more targeted that high intensity should be, perhaps, just one or two times a week. I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback from the diehards there, but there's a lot of research and and I, I see it in my practice. I mean, there are, sometimes people come to me and they say, hey, doc, should I, should I take uh, hormone replacement therapy? Should I get on medication or take bioidentical hormones? And my first answer is, well, I'm not the right doctor to ask. That's not my specialty. That's not what I do. What I do is I try to normalize your body physiology. And then if you still you know, if you find that you don't have those symptoms and you don't really see a need to do the hormone replacement, then great. You make that choice with your doctor. Uh, I'm not saying there's no reason, you know, there are good reasons to do hormone replacement therapy for some people. It's just not the decision that I like to make for my patients. So I think that brings us to a great point that um, that the questioner had asked. I, I feel that they are, uh, you know, not to the point of menopause yet, but probably asking, what can we do right now to set the table so that when we do enter into that portion of, of, of our life, what can we do that's going to make that as easy as possible? What can we do to minimize the likelihood that, that the females are going to experience um, severe swings in, in 
food, temperature, and all those things. What are some lifestyle things, three in a pause, that they can be doing? The number one thing is to get your blood sugar under control. Uh, nothing is a bigger stressor to the stress gland. So we call the adrenal gland the stress gland. Well, I'm, I'm not of the opinion we're not supposed to have stress. We are supposed to have stress and we want to exercise that system. Unfortunately, abnormal swings in blood sugar will cause abnormal swings in blood sugar hormones, insulin, and cortisol. Now, when I say the word cortisol, you say, no, 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 that's not a blood sugar hormone. That's a stress hormone. No, no, no. It's also a sleep hormone. It's also a blood sugar hormone. It's also a stress hormone. So you can stress the cortisol system without life stress that we perceive as stress, you know, bills to pay, relationship problems, all of those things that qualify as stress for sure. But Abnormal blood sugar regulation through diet and lifestyle is the number one thing you can do to normalize all of your hormones. So to back up a little bit, there are 600 hormones in the body and they're all related to each other. I always say that sex hormones for men and women exist downstream from more primary hormones that we are releasing on a daily and cyclical basis related to blood sugar. Uh, and that would be uh, cortisol and insulin and a, and a, a few more, but cortisol and insulin are, are the big ones. So we need to normalize that first before we can ask our body to have a normalized um, sex hor hormone system. So we go to blood sugar first, getting that dialed in. A low carbohydrate diet is probably the best way to do that. Practicing time-restricted eating is probably the best way to become insulin sensitive, which means that you just uh, require a smaller amount of insulin today than you did yesterday to do the same job. So we want insul our insulin system to be very sensitive. A great way to do that is to lower your carbohydrates. So if there are three kinds of food, fat, protein, and carbohydrate, take the carbohydrate uh, portion, lower that, and then think about having a time of day uh, in which you don't eat food. It could be a 12-hour portion of a 24-hour cycle. Some people like to do 14 hours. I like to do 16 to 18 hours, and I make sure I have a good, healthy diet during the other six to eight hours that I eat or that my wife eats uh, in order to have a good blood sugar control system. Good. So that brings us to one of the other questions that we had from, um, from our Facebook Live last week, which is intermittent fasting, or as you call it, time-restricted eating. I think that's a really important component to a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about during these, uh, these interviews. And I'm going to dedicate an entire, um, probably our next interview, an entire interview just to that topic. So you touched on it. I think we can leave it there for now. But let's ask, how can people monitor? I mean, how do we monitor our blood sugar and our insulin? How do we know where it is. Do we have to get a blood monitor and check that throughout the day? Do we need to do fasting blood sugars? What can people do? Uh, you know, average, um, you know, Joe and Jane, what can they do to monitor blood sugar? And blood monitoring of, of sugar and, uh, and, and, and other fuels in your body are actually quite easy and cheap. Uh, and, and people can 
get instruction from uh, doctors like like yourself and and myself on how to do that, where you just take almost like a, a, a pinprick of blood, put it into a little machine, it tells you what your blood sugar levels are at. I find that to be completely unnecessary. Uh, I think the best way to know is, at, you know, just kind of observe yourself over a period of three days. Are you waking up after a full night's sleep with energy to get out of bed and start your day? Uh, do you find yourself after a meal nodding off and feeling like you need to take a nap? Are you experiencing brain fog? Now, if I say, are you experiencing brain fog and you want to ask me the question, what is brain fog? Well, then you probably aren't experiencing it. But people who experience brain fog know exactly what I'm talking about. So brain fog is kind of that feeling of, what you know, what was I thinking about or what am I supposed to be doing right right now? It's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing to explain, but once you know, once you've experienced it, it requires no explanation. So brain fog, waking up tired. I'm sorry. I said, I think most people could relate to that. Just think back to high school after you'd eat that uh, oh so nutritious lunch and then go to your next class. Just think about trying to stay awake or follow the teacher. Virtually impossible after you'd eaten a high carbohydrate, low nutrient dense food. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about. For sure. And for our, our female listeners, this is very important here. The, uh, one of the things that many women go through is this feeling of low blood sugar, okay? So if a certain amount of time has passed in which you did not eat, and some of our female patients will wake up in the morning, I'm not hungry, I have a cup of coffee, they run through the day, run, run, run full speed, and all of a sudden they get shaky and jittery, and then they have to grab something, whether it's their neighbor's arm or a, or a donut. It's usually something, again, if they're not paying attention to their diet and their health, they're, they're going to grab a bagel, a donut, something very carbohydrate rich. Uh, but there are people who pay more attention to their health. They know they have this tendency and therefore they won't allow themselves to go three hours without putting some kind of food in their mouth. And those are people that I call, we have a name for them, we call them reactive hypoglycemics. And all that means is their blood sugar drops and they get symptoms. So either they let themselves get symptoms and then they have a donut or something to, to get rid of those symptoms, some orange juice or something, or they just won't let that happen and they'll make sure they eat multiple times a day. Here's the problem with that. That means you are metabolically inflexible you're depending on cortisol, the stress hormone that makes you feel jittery. Uh, that, that feeling of your blood sugar drops, you start getting that jittery feeling, maybe some a feeling in, of nausea. Uh, that means your adrenal glands are firing up and, and they're looking to manufacture sugar. And when we go into the time-restricted eating portion, we'll talk more about why that happens and how we can actually switch to a different kind of fuel if we teach our body to do so. Uh, so I, I hope I didn't go too far off tangent there. No, I don't think so. I think that that really kind of drives home the, the value that we'll have when we go into the intermittent fasting time-restricted eating portion um, in our next interview. So what types of foods, I think we kind of addressed that. What types of, of uh, we talked about exercise, we talked about foods, what type of things for people that are already experiencing menopause symptoms, what can they do real time right now um, Maybe is there something they should act, ask their doctor to do some tests? Is there anything that they can look for to help steer themselves out of out of the weeds if they find themselves you know miserable from menopause? Sure, I mean if if you're in a, a if you're getting symptoms but you're you still have your 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 cycle and and you're not 
in full menopause, you want to, you may want to ask your doctor to do a, a hormone panel. And in the hormone panel, they'll look at things uh, that actually are released by the brain uh, in order to tell your your organs to do what they're supposed to do. We call that LH and FSH. Uh, those are important because you know the FSH can actually start to skyrocket once we start ex- once true menopause is setting in. And and knowing that can be helpful. Uh, there's no doubt because you want to have the ability to make good choices with you, your doctor, and 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 making choices for your lifestyle. I've had no shortage of patients, no matter what stage they were in, pre-menopause, menopausal, post-menopause, where we made we made dramatic changes in how they feel. Again, we're not here to cure menopause. It's going to happen. We just want people to feel well and healthy, which you should be able to do. I don't think that women are designed to suffer during this time in their life. I just don't. Uh, I, I, I don't think suffering is, is necessary or, 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 or mandatory. So what people can do is, first of all, find out not only where they're, uh, you know, where, where they're at as far as the stages of menopause, but also you need to know what your metabolic health is like. We already talked about blood sugar. There's different ways to measure that in your blood work that can give us not only uh, traction on understanding today, but more importantly, what's been going on for several months. Uh, and also inflammation is going to play a big role here. Uh, millions and millions of women are taking or have taken many, many years of birth control pills. Um, birth control pills are, this is not any judgment on birth control pills, but there are consequences and we should know what those consequences are. We do ask our body to take this excess hormone that is typically synthetic and we have to metabolize it. And we don't all metabolize it the same way or as efficiently. And that can interfere with a lot of things. For example, much of your thyroid hormone function will be dramatically impacted by uh, by birth control pills or the estrogens in birth control pills. It will also tax your liver's ability to remove the excess hormone uh, because that's where it happens. And so, so there's, there's quite a few th- different pathways that we would have to understand in order to know if there's any choices you have made either now or in the past that could interfere. So for example, if you had been on birth control pills for 10 years and then uh, decided to get off, well, then you'd want to know more about your thyroid hormones ability to not only be produced, but also once the thyroid hormone is produced and your doctor says, hey, your thyroid's fine, well, then what's happening to that thyroid hormone? Is it properly being converted? Are there too many uh, uh, hormones, uh, I'm sorry, proteins produced that lock onto the hormone so you can't use it? There are different blood tests that we can do to see if that's happening. Because again, thyroid hormone is a hormone. All hormones are related to all hormones. So blood sugar hormones, thyroid hormones, sleep hormones, and then of course, downstream from those, we have the the sex hormones that we're discussing here. That brings me to a couple of questions. Number one, started that uh, that answer with, uh, you know, go to your doctor, get a hormone test. Are there different types of tests? I know there are, some of them are a single check to see where our hormone levels are. Some of them involve saliva tests over a 30 day period. What should people be looking at? And is that dependent on age? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so what what we typically look for, we start with a blood test. Blood tests are very accepted and common. Uh, but mind you, the saliva test can be very important because they do check the free fraction of the hormone. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, 97% of all of the hormones in your body are bound to a protein, which means it can't be used until it leaves that protein. Uh, that protein is called a binding globulin, but really just think of it this way. Hormones travel through your bloodstream, and in order to do so, they, they need a vehicle. Let's say they need an Uber, and the Uber is that binding protein, and the hormone can't get out of the Uber I can't, the hormone can't affect anything unless it gets out of the Uber and goes into the building to do its work. So what happens with, with birth control pills and things like that is you can have a lot of hormone produced and it gets stuck in the Uber. So it looks like you have plenty of hormone, but you're not using it. So saliva testing can be very helpful because it's only checking that 3%, which we call the free fraction. But we can also check free fraction hormones uh, in blood. So we typically look at, uh, in women especially, we look at testosterone. Uh, you know, far and away, and, and this is going to be a takeaway and uh, quite shocking to people and it's indisputable, but for women, far and away, the most abundant and consequential sex hormone you have is not estrogen, it is testosterone. Uh, let me say that again. Testosterone is far more abundant and consequential to women than estrogen is. Yet we think men have testosterone, women have estrogen. Well, men have both testosterone and estrogen. Women have both testosterone and estrogen. Nothing impacts testosterone more than blood sugar. Uh, and also, we, we, we have to recognize that, uh, you know, when we do, when we look at the blood for testosterone, we'll check total testosterone, compare it to free testosterone. That's important. But for women, uh, testosterone is typically the hormone re related to libido. So if, if sex drive is a question, just checking estrogen and progesterone and, and FSH and LH and finding out where you are in menopause is not the answer. You have to know what your testosterone is. And again, all of these things are impacted not just by birth control pills. I didn't want to pick on birth control pills here. Uh, there are toxins in our environment more abundant today than any time that we've ever had before. Plastics and things of that na nature that are uh, called endocrine disruptors. The word endocrine just means hormone. So hormone disruptors are in our environment. They're in our medications, in our food, in our plastics. Uh, they're in the flame retardant chemicals that, that are in your new furniture. Uh, they're, they're in the flame retardant chemicals in your children's pajamas. So we are living in a more toxic world and removing those toxins is a lot like removing excess hormones, like in birth control pills, and that taxes the liver. In order for the liver to remove that stuff from the body, you need something called methyl donors. <laughs> methyl donors are very important uh, parts of uh, healthy B vitamins. And 20% of the American public has some kind of genetic variant in how well they can methylate. So if you're, when we're talking about lab tests, finding out if you have a variant in your methylation genes, and there are several that we check, that can be very helpful in understanding your ability to detoxify from the world around you, the medications you're taking, 
the blood sugar that you're experiencing. That's why we're all a little bit different. Now, I know I just made you all drink water out of a fire hose on that question. <laughs> uh, there is a lot to know, but I think if you just go back and listen to it again, you might be able to follow me there. It's not that complicated. And that's why I love having you on is because as I said, you're oftentimes the person that I go to when I've got these questions that are, that are a little outside of, of my knowledge base. And then me trying to come back and relay that third person, uh, it can be difficult. That's why I really appreciate your time coming on here and sharing this stuff. So um, as we wrap up, a couple of quick hitters. What are things that people, um, you know, the, the 20 and 30 year olds, what can they be doing right now to, to, what can they be watching for? What can they make sure that they're doing? What can they, are there resources of, of learning about where can we avoid these uh, hormone disruptors? What are some things that they could do to understand better how to, how to decrease that in their life? Because not just for hormone regulation for people, you know, knowing they're going to experience menopause someday, but for, for men and women alike, that's things that we need to know about and avoid. Okay. First of all, you're not going to get this information from your, your primary care doctor's office. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, not because they're bad people or they're, they're not smart or anything like, like that. It has more to do with what their emphasis and focus is for their community and their patients. And that has more to do with what happens when things go badly. Uh, and, and, that, and that's fine. We need them in our, in our communities. If you are 20 to 30 years old and you want to know more about this, of course, you would want to get with a uh, an office, you want to have a primary wellness provider. A primary wellness provider will never be your PCP. Your primary medical provider, your primary care physician is different. You need one of those, but they're different. A primary wellness provider is really somebody like myself and, and uh, the doctors at Life Refined Chiropractic and other chiropractic offices around the country, because chiropractors are becoming leaders in understanding the normal physiology and how to best navigate the modern world to make sure your physiology is normal as it relates to sleep, exercise, uh, stresses of posture and, and things that you're going through in the workplace, uh, you know, e even to the point of dealing with mental stress, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Dr. Nate, you know, you, I, I've known you for a very long time and you and Dr. Stacy have made your office kind of a Mecca for that kind of information. So putting your body in a, as normal of an environment as possible sounds obvious, but do we really know what normal is? Uh, and my answer to that is no, we don't because we've been living in an abnormal world for so long. Things that we consider to be normal are very abnormal for our physiology, right? I always say, physiologically no different than our hunter-gatherer ancestors of, of a few thousand years ago. So that's the first step. And you're going to get that kind of information from offices like yours. Now, if there's a challenge, uh, a, a set of symptoms, I know that you're going to bring me in on the case, right? And we can co-manage those cases. We've been very successful with that in the past. Yeah, exactly. So for those of you that weren't able to join us on the live today, I, I, I know that there are, as you're watching this replay, you've got questions and you, you we're, oh, I wish I could have known how to ask this. I would have liked to have that answered. Reach out to us, get on to this. You know, you, this, you'll see this on Facebook. You also see it probably through our website. Either get in contact with Dr. Stacy or myself directly, post your questions below uh, and we can answer to the best of our ability. And if necessary, as we said, bring in Dr. G. But these are really, you know, these are things that, that every family faces. And these are 
things that can be very scary because you don't know where to get the best information. You know, who do I trust? My doctor says this is normal for me to be going through, but I don't feel like this is normal at all. So in those situations, that's where having a primary wellness uh, practitioner is going to be of such great benefit to you to have someone who can give you answers like this. And that's exactly where the topic for this for this live came from was, you know, from our, our friends and practice members that say, hey, tell us about female hormone stuff because this is this seems scary. It seems like I get different information. So, Dr. G, I really appreciate your time today. Um, I can tell you right now, just from the feedback we've already gotten, that our that our next live will be on uh, that topic. We've hit on both our, these these first two interviews will be intermittent fasting and time restricted eating. What does that mean? How does it work, and why is it so beneficial? Uh, and and what it can do for people's health long term. To reiterate, I think everything that you said uh, in our first interview and today, all folk boils down to the more we can prepare our body be what, as we refer to in the office, an unhospitable host to bad bacteria and viruses that negatively affect us or just lifestyle stress. How do we make our body as set it up for success as much as possible? Chiropractic actually plays a role in that, but so does all the other things uh, about the stress in our environment, whether it's emotional, physical, chemical stress, our body responds to that hormonally, how it does it through blood sugar, all those things play such a huge role. I think we can't emphasize enough that and as opposed to waiting until you get sick and figuring out how to get out of that situation, setting ourselves up for success today is really the right answer. Well, and, and thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I'm really enjoying this. And I love answering questions. And I just want your audience to know we're happy to continue this as long as there are questions that need to be answered, uh, because that, that's what we do, right? We make the world a better and healthier place. But I, I also want to make sure everybody understands I'm just Dr. G. I, I, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> uh, I have good answers when, I, when, when it's in my area of, of specialty, but I'm also very good at finding answers. So, um, you know, I'll always let you know and your audience know, wow, I, I, I just can't answer that. But maybe the next time around, I'll be able to come back with some new information that could, could be helpful for that question. Well, thank you all for watching um, today and in the future uh, via this recording. Please feel free to reach out, ask your questions. These are the topics that are pressing in, in our community's mind. And our entire purpose for Life of Fine Chiropractic is helping our community live their life closer to their 100% potential. And answering your questions on what's taking you away from that 100% potential is how we're going to do it best. So uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much again, Dr. G. Uh, I'll talk with you again soon. And we'll look forward to being with you guys again in the near future. Be well. Thank you. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of chiropractic, medicine, nursing, or any other professional healthcare service, including the giving of chiropractic or medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional chiropractic or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not regard or delay in obtaining chiropractic or medical advice from any chiropractic or medical condition they may have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.